It's the Chronicles of Aguna, and we're back. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by AMS Media. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeu, and I'm absolutely buzzing. Probably tell, had a good celebration over the weekend. The throat's gone, the voice is gone, um, <laughs> feeling a little bit, I'm not going to say under the weather, because I'm not under the weather, but as if the weekend really, really took its toll. And it was a fantastic FA Cup semi-final victory for the Gunners. We've booked our place in yet another FA Cup final and we learned yesterday that we will be taking on Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Feels a lot like 2017, doesn't it? Manchester City in the semi, Chelsea in the final, etc, etc. We're going into it as the underdogs given uh, where Chelsea are in the Premier League in comparison to us. But we go into this off the back of, and I know we've got some games to play in between, but we come into this sort of run of really, really important fixtures off the back of an excellent couple of results. You know, Mikel Arteta said that we've beaten two of Europe's best football teams in the space of a few days. And it's very, very hard to disagree with that. Manchester City prior to uh, the FA Cup semi-final would have gone into the Champions League when that restarts as one of the favourites. And we've dispatched of them and we dispatched of Liverpool. Um Lots and lots to talk about. I've had to make some notes over the weekend because I was so excited and happy. I didn't want to sort of forget to mention some of the key points. So I made some notes um, and we're going to start off, of course, uh, by looking at sort of the way Mikel Arteta lined up the side. And I think we all um, all agreed that, you know, he was going to stick with the, the back three that has, you know, served Arsenal so well in recent weeks in terms of, making us that little bit more defensively stable, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's goals proved the difference in the end. But if we look through uh, the Arsenal starting eleven, it was uh, Emiliano Martinez in goal who continued his excellent form. The back three was Skodran, Mustafi, David Lewis and Kieran Tierney. Now, I think a lot of people wondered whether Rob Holding would get a look in after the way sort of he performed against Liverpool. He received a lot of praise for that performance for me. I wasn't totally convinced, though, um, sort of by him against Liverpool. I thought he still had moments is where uh, his concentration lapsed. Um, and, and I was pretty confident, and I said it in my preview show, that I expected Mikel Arteta to bring um, Shkodran Mustafi back into the side. And he did. And then Shkodran Mustafi played brilliantly, um, as did David Lewis, who was immense. Arguably his best game in an Arsenal shirt, quite possibly. And Kieran Tierney tucked in as the left centre-back. And he also, sorry, done very, very well. The two wing-back positions were taken up by Hector Bellerin. And on the left, it was Ainsley Maitland-Niles. <coughs> Apologies for the sneeze. Always going to happen when I do podcasts in the morning during hay fever season. So I, did, I do apologise. Um, but yeah, back to what I was saying. Bellerin played as the right wing-back and, and Maitland-Niles played as the left wing-back. Now, I think this one, the Maitland-Niles decision probably came as a bit of a surprise to people and they were wondering, Maitland-Niles hasn't been in the team full stop. Why is he now coming in to play left wing back? Why is Bukayo Saka being left out, having done such a good job in recent times? But I think that this was a very, very deliberate selection from Mikel Arteta. And I think it was 
very much to do with the threat carried by Riyad Mahrez. Now, of course, Riyad Mahrez is a, a right winger, but he is, uh, you know, it, it is well known that he's a left-footed player who more often than not looks to cut inside onto that left foot of his and cause problems for his opponents. Now, I think that that was the reason that Mikel Arteta went with Maitland-Niles. I think he probably felt that he needed the pace that Maitland-Niles certainly has. And Maitland-Niles shows that pace in particular over short distances. The first few yards are key and he really, really does show that. So I thought that um, that was a very deliberate selection and one that, of course, worked out. Plus, when a left-footed player is drifting in field, having a right-footed defender there makes it easier for him to defend. Therefore, he's not as off-balance when Mahrez cuts inside and Maitland-Niles uh, dealt with the, the threat carried by Manchester City's right-hand side really, really well, I thought. And, and it was another solid, solid performance from him. Um, moving into the midfield, it was Granit Xhaka and, and Danny Ceballos. And again, those two provided an excellent screen for that defence. I thought they were both sensational. I thought Granit Xhaka was probably a little bit better, if I'm honest. Um, he was everywhere. He was making blocks inside the penalty area. He was dropping into the back three at times when City were working the ball into wide positions and swallowing up crosses and making last-ditch clearances and was really, really important to this Arsenal side again. And, and, and I love that about Granit Xhaka because the more he continues to perform, the more he puts all that shit behind him and continues to show that he is worthy of a place in this side, the noises in terms of the, the hate towards him just fade that little bit more. And I've said it before, Granit Xhaka as a footballer has limitations. He does. I think we can all agree. But I think if you manage him right and if you set up the team right and you play him where he needs to be played, he can be a very, very, very effective tool. And we're seeing that under Mikel Arteta, aren't we? We're seeing how important he is to this side. And Saturday was another example of that. Ahead of them, it was uh, Nicolas Pepe, Alexander Lacazette and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang leading the line. Um, Saka was on the bench, as I've mentioned, as was holding, as was Nelson, who got a goal against Liverpool just a few days prior. Lucas Torreira was in the mix again. Socrates on the bench, an unused substitute, Joe Willock, etc. Um, so, yeah, you know, I thought that Mikel Arteta again managed the game really, really well in terms of his game management, his substitutions. He brought Joe Willock on after 72 minutes to replace Nicolas Pepe and Joe Willett comes on and he gives you that little bit of energy and he's capable of sort of operating from that right-hand side, but he's also capable of tucking in and getting narrow and making things a lot more compact in the middle of the park. And we know that City uh, look to wear you down and, and what we did a really, really good job of nullifying a lot of their threat. Um, Arsenal were playing with the ball from the back quite a bit. Um, and we've seen that it's been a bit of a common theme probably ever since Unai Emery come in. I know Arsene Wenger's sides used to like to do it as well, but the, the way we did it on Saturday for me, again, was a very, very deliberate ploy. We know that Manchester City like to push people high up the pitch. We know that uh, Manchester City are not the kind of side that are going to just let you have the ball there. They're going to press and they're going to try and close down and close the passing channels. And Arsenal, in my opinion, played that little bit deeper than normal. At times, they were sort of passing the ball around inside their own penalty area. And that was in order to try and lure Manchester City forward, lure the press. And with the hope that we could either play our way through it and around it, which we did to, to good effect on a few occasions, or, you know, we were going to find that, long, that longer pass over the top and bypass it. And that'll get us in on their defence. I think 
when we went into this game, everybody wondered whether or not Arsenal would be able to, uh, you know, keep Manchester City from scoring, keep them out. I think we all knew that Arsenal had a threat. We all knew that Arsenal could hurt Manchester City because in reality, as a defensive unit, they're not particularly effective. Uh, but uh, as I said, it was a very deliberate ploy of, of trying to lure in that press so we could get around it or over the top of it and bypass it in whatever way possible so that Arsenal could could get themselves in positions where they're isolating their Manchester City defenders. Because as we know, as I've said, we have the tools to hurt them. And Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, you know, before he scored the first goal, which we'll come on to in a moment, he missed a really, really guilt-edged opportunity. And I was sitting there with my head in my hands and I thought, in this kind of game against a team like Manchester City, these are the opportunities that we need to be taking. And we, we didn't take it. But then to score the goal the way he did, um, not long after, just shows that it didn't phase him. Um, you know, it was a very, very clever finish. It, the ball come over and, you know, you may be sitting there thinking, why hasn't he swung his left foot at it? But he, he trusts in that right foot of his and he trusts the outside of the boot um, in order to, he almost just stabbed it, didn't he, into the far corner. Um, and it was just inside the post, of course. It came off the inside of the woodwork and beat Edison in the Manchester City goal. So lots and lots to be pleased with in the first half. And then when Aubameyang got another opportunity after a well-worked counter-attack again from the Gunners. Kieran Tierney played him in. He did look up. Uh, for those of you who've watched it again, he looks up. He has a glance to see where Alexander Lacazette is before slotting it underneath Edison and into the back of the net to double Arsenal's lead. But just going back to that first goal, that was a prime example of what Mikel Arteta was trying to do. Play from the back, build play slowly, um, work the spaces lure your opponent in and then find a way to get in behind them. And we did that really, really well. And it was a quality delivery, wasn't it, from Nicolas Pepe with that left foot of his, again, showing the quality that he has in that left peg. And he picked out a wonderful cross towards the far post. Um, when I look at Mikel Arteta's system, and, and, and we've been looking at this sort of three, I want to call it a three-four-three. Um, of late. And it has been really effective in terms of the results, in terms of stabilising our defence. Th that old argument comes up again and again and again, doesn't it, about Aubameyang playing through the middle. Well, actually, and I've been beating this drum for a few weeks now, those of you that listen to this podcast regularly will know this. Actually, there is an argument that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is better off playing from that left position. And that is because he can exploit those half spaces in between the fullbacks and the centre-backs. He can pull further wide as a starting position, almost like Thierry Henry used to do, and then divert infield. And once he's got the ball and he's away from you, you're not catching Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. He's got an abundance of pace and he's very cool and calm and collected in front of goal, as we've seen. So actually, I think that this system is more designed to... Uh, is more designed, I guess, for the, the left and right-sided forwards to flourish rather than it is for the centre-forward. The centre-forward's role is very different. Um, we're almost seeing a kind of Roberto Firmino role in the sense of whether it's Lacazette or Enketia, more so Lacazette because I think he does it a little bit more naturally. He drops into those deeper spaces in the hope that he brings the centre-back with him and that creates the channels, doesn't it, for the likes of Aubameyang or Pepe to then make those diagonal runs in field and get in behind in a more central position. But that is by design. There, there is a reason Aubameyang is playing that role. It's not because 
Mikel Arteta is trying to shoehorn sorry, Lacazette and Aubameyang in the same side because we've seen it before. If he doesn't feel that Lacazette uh, warrants a start, he simply won't play him. So what we're seeing now is we've seen the combinations start to kick in. We've seen the patterns of play by which Mikel Arteta wants to see his team sort of work are, are starting to come to fruition. And the more we see them, the more we'll understand them, the more evident they'll become. And, you know, you can really, really see that there is an improvement and there is a method to everything that we are doing at the moment. Whereas in the past, we were lost. We were, you know, unsure of what the, the end goal was. Whereas now it's very, very clear between Mikel Arteta and his players what they're being asked to do. Um, so, you know, we are on the right path. We are buzzing and, and, and we are in an FA Cup final and we still stand a chance of qualifying for the Europa League via the league as well. So plenty to play for between now and the end of the season. FA Cup final is going to take place on August the 1st. Um, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. And I hope we can maintain this good form going into it because, you know, you always want to go into a cup final, of course, in the best condition possible. If you had asked me prior to yesterday's semi-final whether I wanted to face Manchester United and Chelsea, I would have said Chelsea. I think that Manchester United on their day, they've got a lot more uh, attacking talent. I think when Pogba and Fernandez play, um, they, they provide for the likes of Rashford, Martial, Greenwood, who have all been in really, really good form of late. Chelsea have been a little bit more hit and miss lately, but that's not to say that they haven't been a better side over the course of the season. The Premier League table shows that. But I just fear that, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think it will be more difficult to keep Manchester United when they're on song at bay than it is to keep Chelsea at bay. If you look at the nature of the goals that Manchester United conceded yesterday, they were gifts. Um, and that'll be really, really disappointing for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But, you know, it, as I said right at the top of the show, it's all got that feeling of 2017 again, hasn't it? Which is which is incredible. Um, guys, a uh, big hello to everyone who's joining us in the live chat at the moment. Please, please do get your questions and comments in and I'll come to those in just a second. Um, let's have a look. Uh, big hello to the intellectual investor. Says, morning, Harry. Femi says, morning, Harry. I'm just landing back on earth. As am I, mate. Um, fantastic result. Uh, Tawana says, morning, Harry. How you doing, mate? Um KSKS says back three making a comeback. It's certainly working for us at the moment, mate. Um, it, it really, really is. And I don't see any reason to drift away from that, given we're seeing Arsenal improve. We're seeing Arsenal develop. We're seeing Arsenal keep out some of the, the, the really talented teams. And I know we conceded against Liverpool, but to if you told me before that we were going to concede just once in games against Liverpool and Manchester City, I'd probably have laughed at you. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, IE says three reasons why everyone is playing better. One, Arteta's system. Two, they play as a unit. And three, players have to compete for their position. Squad has better depth under Arteta. Really, really interesting points. And what I find interesting about that the most is the one that, that, that you've numbered as number three. Um, players having to compete for their position squad has better depth under Arteta. Well, in terms of numbers, it's not really all that different. But the, the culture has changed in terms of if you don't perform, you will be left out. Um, yeah, there are a few mainstays in the team. Your Granite Xhaka's, your uh, Shkodran Mustafi's, interestingly, your Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's, etc., 
But there are a number of positions that are up for grabs. There's the left centre-back role, which we've seen changes in that. There's the uh, left wing-back role, the right wing-back role. There is competition in those positions. And, um, you know, whilst Mikel Arteta is keen to develop certain partnerships, i.e. the partnership between Ceballos and Jacker in the middle, he is also willing to make the changes when he feels it's right. And that is so, so key in terms of making this culture that we need at Arsenal Football Club, whereby if you don't perform, you're left out and everybody has to give their best all of the time. Uh, and Femi comments on the culture as well. He says, I can see the culture of this club changing. Oporum says, I like the way we keep committing a City player to create spaces. Absolutely. It's what I was talking about earlier on. Um, it's a very deliberate way of trying to lure in your opponent. And Manchester City are a proactive team. They're going to come and try and get the ball off you because, as we know, Mikel Arteta, sorry, Pep Guardiola is obsessed with possession. That is key for him. Whereas you play against someone like Jose Mourinho the other week and it didn't necessarily work. We had a lot of possession in certain areas where Tottenham were happy for us to have the ball. And then it was up to us. The onus was on us to then progress it and make things happen. And unfortunately, we didn't do that. And when the chances came along for Spurs, they took them. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, it. It is something that obviously Mikel Arteta wants to do. He wants to be able to suck play in and create spaces around them and expose areas, whether that's playing through it or going long, a little bit more direct and bypassing the press. And whilst we take huge encouragement from the way it's worked of late, we also need to find another way of doing things as well. Because as I said, in the games against the the so-called weaker sides, they'll be all right to let us have the ball in those positions. And then the onus is on us to go and break them down and it becomes a very, very different game. Um, Kartik says, maybe bring Genduzi in for Villa. He played well in the reverse fixture and he's different to Ozil, young and potentially a big player for us in the future. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I've been critical of Genduzi for a while. And not just necessarily because of sort of his his attitude, but more so his performances as well. I feel like Genduzi's been a bit of a headless chicken at times for Arsenal. He doesn't bring you that discipline um, that Sabayos and Shaka have brought in recent weeks. And I don't see a reason to break up a midfield pairing that is working so well. Clearly, something's gone on on the training ground. Clearly, there's been a breakdown in the relationship between him and Mikel Arteta. And I don't expect him to see I don't, sorry, expect to see him in the Arsenal side between now and the end of the season. Just my opinion. Um, I think it's been so long now. I don't think that Mikel Arteta is going to bring him back. And I think the most likely outcome is that he leaves Arsenal this summer. And look, if we can get 20, 30 million pounds for Matteo Genduzzi, fine. Um, let's do it. You know, let, let's do it. Um, we can use it to build the squad in other areas. And I think he is replaceable. Yes, he has some potential. Yes, he has... I've seen some people say he's got the heart of a lion. Yeah, but if you can't channel that in the right way, then it becomes a problem. And I totally understand why Mikel Arteta has decided, um, you know, to to leave him out. And, and that's not even knowing fully what's gone on in the training ground behind the scenes. So, yeah, that's my take on that. Uh, Daniel Murphy says, retribution for Baku on the cards. Absolutely, mate. Uh, Archangel says, it's great to see all Arsenal fans united. And with hope. It is indeed, isn't it? It's amazing what a few positive results can do. Um, Ami Guna says, waiting for tonight's gas tank and see Boovy's face and his excuses. Yep, I'll be on the gas tank later over at 90 Minute Football. I think we're kicking off at 5 p.m. 
um, to do head over there, give them a subscribe and check that out as well. And it'd be interesting to see what some of the lads have to say in regards to Arsenal's performance as well. Um, that brings me towards the end of this morning's stream. We're going to be back uh, later tonight with an edition of The Social Club, where I'll be joined by Simon Lavi and Dan DeLuca. We'll be talking about the big stories from the, the world of English football this evening, as well as looking back a little bit on the semi-final in a bit more detail and getting some alternative opinions as well. Um, also, if you haven't already, you can become a patron of the podcast by heading over to patreon.com forward slash the Chronicles of Aguna. There are two tiers of membership. You'll receive access to exclusive content. And this week we'll be doing our first ever patrons podcast, which means I'll be inviting some of the patrons on to have a chat with me live um, about some of the latest topics surrounding the club. So plenty to look forward to this week. Of course, we'll be looking at the Aston Villa game on Tuesday morning. Um, and then we'll be reviewing that on Wednesday as well. So plenty of content coming for you this week. So if you haven't already, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. There is plenty more to come. Um, I'm buzzing. I'm delighted. Um, I, I'm I'm feeling good. It's giving me a spring in my step. I watched the semi-final yesterday between United and Chelsea without that sense of envy, without that sense of worry. Just when you've beaten Liverpool and Manchester City in quick, quick succession, you can't help but feel a little bit more confident and feel like you could beat any of those two sides, considering neither of them are anywhere near the level of the two teams we've just overcome. So that should give us encouragement. It is an FA Cup final, having said that. It can go either way. But regardless of what happens at Wembley, Arsenal getting to the final has been a real bright light in an overall very, very disappointing season. So we take it, we move on, we develop. We hope that Mikel Arteta gets the tools he needs this summer to continue developing this side. And believe me, this is the guy to take Arsenal back towards where they belong. And we would argue, I guess, that where they belong is is back at the very, very top of the Premier League. I think we're all realistic enough to know, though, that the first stop has to be Champions League qualification. Let's get there. Let's get back into the, the big time and then we can start looking further forward, one step at a time. Um, but really, really happy, really great weekend. It's been a really good week as an Arsenal fan and uh, brilliant stuff. Up the Arsenal. We'll be back soon. Take care. Cheers. <laughs>